Hello, this is Leslie Garfa Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact. In this episode, I speak with Karen Eisen, Dean of Career and Professional Development at Brooklyn Law School. episode, Karen Eisen discusses the role of career services and gives students advice on how they can go about finding jobs at the end of their 2L year. I was most interested to learn that only about 10% of the students at most law schools find their jobs through OCI, on-campus interviewing, and that the bulk of the students don't find their jobs until the spring semester of their 2L year. This podcast is particularly useful not just to students who are in their 2L year, but to 1Ls who are thinking about interviewing for their second summer jobs and also students who are thinking about transferring so that they can use the on-campus interview process of other schools. I hope you enjoy it. Um, What I'd love to talk about is, what about the student who went through um, on-campus interview and went through OCI and was not successful? What should that student do now? I think that student, the first thing that student has to do is remember that very, very few people get their job through OCI. And It's just like um, if you're driving somewhere and you hit a roadblock, Mm -hmm. do you say, okay, that's it, I quit, I'm turning around, I'm going home? Or do you continue on and and try to find another way to get there? Or do you put your plans on hold and reschedule? Mm -hmm. So just because you may not have been successful in a round of OCI, which very, very few people get their jobs out out of an entire class... It doesn't mean that life is over. It doesn't mean that this particular job path is closed to you. So a lot of students get caught up in OCI because that's all they hear for those few months leading into the summer. OCI, it's coming, it's coming. It's the only way to get a job. That's where all the top employers Mm -hmm. um, hire from. And so there's really no such thing as a top employer. Everybody has their own definition of success. Everybody Mm -hmm. has to chart their own career path. So just because you're hearing the buzz in the hallways that you have to participate in OCI, it's very easy to get caught up in that. And it's very easy to think that everybody's getting their job through OCI because that's all you're hearing. Right. Um, But it's just not true. And it's not realistic. And so sit down and figure out with your career counselor, is this really the path that I want to take? And if it is, figure out how to make yourself more attractive. Many firms, yes, they do hire through OCI for that for a year from then. But right, when you for say the ma- summer, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. When you say many yes. firms, what percentage of firms do you think? So, I mean, I shouldn't say firms. Of all the employers that come across your office, what percentage of those employers? I guess what I'm saying is of all the of all the employers that employ Brooklyn law students, what percentage of those actually come through or use OCI? So let's let's just define OCI for one second. Okay. All OCI stands for is on campus interviews. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's the acronym. And what that has evolved into is the biggest law firms in the country go on campus to the law schools every year, and they interview students in August, let's say August 2018, for jobs that begin in May 2019. Mm -hmm. That's the bulk of what OCI is. And 
I would say, you know, it, I, I think the number, the number of firms that come onto OCI depends on the school. They all have different criteria. We typically have, I think we had about 100 OCI employers sign up for this past season, the bulk of which take place in one week, mm-hmm. and that's called early interview week. Mm-hmm. And in all my years of, of being in this profession, every year early interview week gets earlier and earlier. So what used to take place when students came back to school at the end of August now takes place at the end of July. Wow. So it's not always very convenient. Mm-hmm. All the, all the um, employers are looking at are your first-year transcript. That's all they have. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't even know about journal yet. So, um, so it's very, very, a very, very slim minority. So I'd say maybe 10% of the class um, gets a, a, a job through OCI. So if we have 360 students... Mm-hmm. I still have well over 330 students who are still looking for a summer job after the first week of OCI. Okay, perfect. So so what do we do for those other 330 students? So what we do for those other 330 students is remind them that there are thousands and thousands of jobs and law firms out there and that you don't have to go to one that has thousands and thousands of lawyers in it. And the reason why these big law firms can do this hiring a year in advance is because they'll have the work. Mm-hmm. They don't need to know what litigation is coming or what deals are coming. They will find the work for their students a year from now. Medium-sized firms, smaller firms, government agencies, not-for-profits, they don't know what their hiring needs will be a full year in advance. So it's important for the students to remember that just because they didn't get a job in August or September does not mean that they won't work next summer. It just means that they're not on this timeline and that as the fall semester progresses and certainly as the spring semester progresses, hiring picks it up okay. by the non-OCI firms. That's great. That's great. All right. And so what about um, one of the things that I hear from students is, Oh, so, um, the Office of Career Services isn't doing anything for me. <laughs> so what we do you say to too, that which, student? <laughs> well, it makes me sad because I know that um, we are doing things. But the Office of Career Services is not a placement agency. Mm-hmm. Okay, We don't get jobs from employers that I file in a file cabinet. And when a student comes in with a resume, I say, oh, let me go. Wait here. FG and and Z, those firms are for you. Here you go. Here's your job. That's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. A a good office of career services is teaching students how to take charge of their career and professional development, how to present themselves in the best way possible, how to search for jobs. You can't just sit back and wait for jobs to come to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Even people in OCI, those jobs are not just coming to you. You have to do some work Mm -hmm. and you have to learn how to go out there and find what's a good match for you and sell yourself. You know, you're going to be a lawyer. Lawyers advocate. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking for a job, you need to be able to advocate for yourself and sell yourself. You're your client. Right. Go out there and make your arguments about why you should have this job and go out and find a job too. So what about the student who comes to you with a 2.8 at the end of their first year 
a mm-hmm. really hardworking student who has a lot to offer, but just didn't necessarily figure out the game of taking good final exams. How does do you recommend that that student package himself or herself? So a student who does not have the grades um, for the big OCI firm, and and let's be honest, the big OCI firms are very, very grades driven. Mm-hmm. That's, that's their main criteria. Um, but the vast, vast majority of the legal profession is not in big law. And so what employers look for um, is experience. You need to build a resume that is bigger than your GPA. And that shows that you know how to go out there and be a lawyer. So there are many employers that don't even care what your GPA is. They want to see what did you do your first summer? What did you do your second summer? What classes are you taking? What externships are you taking? Did you work for a judge? You want to be a litigator? Are you in a clinic? Oh, you want to be a transactional attorney? Are you taking business classes? Ah, so speak to this, because this, I think, is a tension between professors and career services professionals. (laughs) Because as a professor, (laughs) we want our students, first of all, we want our students to take all the classes um, that are on the bar. And because, you know, the feeling is why reteach yourself something or why teach yourself something for the first time. And another thing about law school is that, yes, it's skills oriented, but there's a certain kind of way to think rule-based reasoning that you get not necessarily in on-the-job training as much as you get in the classroom, in these doctrinal classes. So one of the tensions we hear is students who are coming in at the end of their first year saying, I want to do this externship, this clinic, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, what about taking these classes? And they say, well, I'm not going to get a job if I take those classes. So what do you say to that? I I say that there is definitely a tension. So Um, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You can't get a job if you don't pass the bar. You can't get a job if you don't have experience. (laughs) Um, So you have to strike a balance. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really important. And and I know it's, it's not always easy, but it's really important for faculty and career services to understand each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not advising students don't take these classes, but we're advising them to at the same time, look at what is going to get you the job that you want. Mm-hmm. Yes, you need to take evidence, right? Everyone should take evidence. It's on the bar. Administrative law is on the bar, mm-hmm. right? But there is also bar review prep. So at the same time that you're taking classes that are going to help you with the bar exam, you should also be taking classes and getting experience that builds your resume, that shows a path, that you're getting ready to do something when you get out. And I think that it really is possible to balance both and get the classes that you need and the experience that you need to build out that resume. Do you have an opinion about externships versus clinics? No, I don't have an opinion. I think it depends on what it is that you want to do. If you want to litigate, um, it might be easier to get that actual stand-on-your-feet litigation experience in a clinic, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You're interviewing clients, you're representing clients, you get a case from beginning to end. If you're interested in more of a transactional practice or a not-for-profit practice, it may make more sense for you to do an externship, and that's where you're embedded in the employer's office. Mm -hmm. And so you might be doing more behind-the-scenes kind of work, but you also will be a part of the whole 
um, atmosphere and office environment. Okay. So, I, mean, I think both are incredibly useful and helpful and valuable. Okay, got it. Well, and I, I don't have a preference for either. Okay. Okay. So, and, and so on your resume, it doesn't matter. Um, and what no. about, what about how do clubs factor into your resume? So I think that um, in this day and age where being a lawyer means working a lot of hours, <laughs> um, people want, you have to pass the airport test right. when you have a job, which is if I'm stuck in an airport with you for two hours waiting for our flight, will we have something to talk about? Mm -hmm. Do we have something in common? So having um, clubs, um, meaningful clubs, or if you're, if you have Certainly, if you've had a leader posi leadership position in a club or an extracurricular activity, I highly recommend that it's on your resume. Right. Um, I don't recommend that you just have filler. What I'd rather see um, on the bottom of your resume is interests mm -hmm. and say something personal and unique about you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a black belt in karate, that's interesting. That's a conversation point. Right. If you've had um, a book of poetry published, that should be there. Mm -hmm. You know, if you run marathons, that should be there. Mm -hmm. So um, I really do think employers do look for whole people. Mm -hmm. And so clubs and um, interests play a part in it. But I'm not saying that that would absolutely compensate for not having legal experience. Right. Okay. So it doesn't compensate. It enhances, right? No, it's, it's, it does enhance. And it's. I just want to say one yeah. other thing about the resume. I also think um, that it's very important if you have non-legal experience, mm -hmm. um, especially if it's customer service related, that should be on your resume. If you worked in hospitality, if you worked in in um, a day camp where you led, you know, 50 developmentally challenged kids in something, if you worked behind the register at Taco Bell and you dealt with customers throwing food back at you, um, if you were a bartender, if you were a bouncer, these are really, really good people skills that translate into um, client work. And employers like it, well, that's interesting. Um, as they should. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, so, yeah. So, I think actually the most interesting thing to me and something to keep in mind is that OCI is 10% of the class. And then there's the other 90% of the class. But now I'm going to ask you about another percent of the class, sure. which are the people who transfer to your school or to a school. Because one of the things that I find with many of my students is that they want to kind of trade up the U.S. News mm -hmm. and World Report ladder. And, and what concerns me about that, especially to your point that OCI interviewing starts in July, is that in transferring, um, yes, they may have a higher rank school on their resume, but they lose some valuable um, time in securing that second year um, summer associate position. So, so what's your opinion about transferring vis-a-vis -vis the Office of Career Services. Right. So I think, you know, people transfer for many reasons and, um, you know, some uh, valid, some personal, um, and some, some certainly to climb up the um, U.S. news ladder. But you have to remember something. When you transfer after your 1L year, and even if you transfer early enough mm -hmm. to get into the next school's, your new school's OCI program, um, your transcript is still your transcript from your first school. And it's not like, you know, if you transfer from Brooklyn Law School into Columbia, 
that you have a Columbia transcript. It still says Brooklyn Law School. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It, um, but most schools that I'm aware of, you don't transfer in enough time to participate in that pre-OCI. Mm -hmm. And so you may miss some of those um, interviews on campus. Right. And a lot of the big law firms also now do pre-OCI, where at the end of the school's year, they'll invite students starting in at the end of May, beginning of June, to receptions at their office. Mm -hmm. and, and there they'll have a chance to meet you and start the interviewing process early and make offers before OCI even begins. Wow. So if you transfer to a school that has students who have already gotten offers pre-OCI, those employers, if they do come in ca on campus, are still not hiring as many through OCI as they might have. Hmm. That's interesting. So, and the other thing I just want to say about um, transferring is, you know, it's not just transferring and your transcript goes with you. Um, what you're leaving behind is really, really valuable. If you did well in your school, that means that your professors know you, they've become invested in you, um, they're referrals for you, they're recommenders for you, they're advisors for you, and you're leaving that all behind and starting all over at, at another school where the class that you're joining already has relationships with those, those same relationships with professors right. and you have to start all over right. again and also all the other things like you know law review or, or honors programs oh, sure. and all of that stuff yeah and and acclimating to a whole new school and a whole new set of rules you know think about what that first semester of law school is like and mm -hmm. and how difficult it was to to get your bearings and mm -hmm. you know to get comfortable now you're going to start all over again right. for some again it's the right thing to do right um i just i think it's very stressful and now I'm thinking back, and, and so now it's time for full disclosure of my first year of law school where you were my best friend in law school. So thank goodness. And, and you still are. So there you go. There you go. Um, so yeah. All right. So anything else that you think um, students should know about the Office of Career Services? Anything you want to inform students about as they start looking for that next job or their first you yes. know, summer associate job? I think that... Um get to know your career counselor, get to know your office, um, let them get to know you. Many, many times employers will, will say, I need someone, um, it might even be to, to round out an OCI um, schedule. Mm -hmm. I need someone. And if, you're, if your career counselor knows you, knows what you're interested in, has worked on your resume, um, then, then you're on their radar. Right. And so, um, you know, we never hold anything back. If a job comes in, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to give this to, to Mary Jones and not tell anybody about it. Everything um, is made um, available. But it's it's good to know that your career counselor can call you and say, hey, did you see this? Because right. this job is, is great for you. Right. Um, and make sure that that it's on your radar. So, you know, your Office of Career Services is is here for you, but they can't read your mind and they can't help you if you don't reach out and let them help you. And and that's the key is that it's help and it's not, I love how you say it's not a placement agency, that, right. that students really are responsible for finding their own jobs and that you can assist them 
but yeah, they have to do it themselves. Assist and support and show you where the resources are mm-hmm. and show you um, the best way to access those resources, mm-hmm. but really equip you um, for a lifetime of, of, you know, your career development. Right. One thing we didn't talk about, I just want to speak to one other question, which is, you know, we've spent this whole time talking about the resume and the grades and the extracurricular but I also think there's kind of, I don't want to say a je ne sais quoi, which is kind of just this dress for success, look someone in the eye, shake their hands, have good table manners when you go. Yes. So what do you do about students who may not have cultivated all of those skills? So what we do is we um, have mock interviews mm-hmm. um, for, for everyone, anyone and everyone. We do a formal program where we have alumni come in. Mm-hmm. Um over a course of several evenings and do mock interviews for students who sign up. But we also encourage every single student before they go on their first interview um, ever to do a mock interview with their career counselor Mm -hmm. um, and go through it. Because again, applying for you, you know, going for an interview for a legal job is not the same thing as going for an interview to be a lifeguard. Um, It's a very different skill set. You have to dress differently. Uh, The legal profession is still, pretty traditional unless you're going to, you know, work for a startup. And, Mm -hmm. and there is a code about what you should wear and what you should say and what your resume should look like. And um, we're not trying to make people, you know, fit into cookie cutter because it's easy. um, But because there's, it's a dumb reason not to get a job. Women, what should they wear? I think women should wear a suit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care if it's a pantsuit or a skirt suit um, or a dress with a blazer. Mm-hmm. Um, but dress as you will dress like you're going to court. And do men need suits on an interview? Men absolutely need suits and a tie. No sneakers. Um, I would say not even all birds. Go as co- <laughs> not even all birds. Um, <laughs> no vans. Um, I would say dress for the job that you that you want okay and nose rings no nose rings if you can take it out take it out um you know show the tattoos after you get the job and they're already in love with you no one's saying you shouldn't have them um but there's just it's just not a good enough reason not to get a job perfect great okay anything else you want to add don't give up there are many 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 ways to get a job um And, you know, I always say the Office of Career Services is your GPS. So you're driving the car and we'll give you the directions on how to get to where you want to go. We'll tell you when to speed up. We'll tell you when to take a detour. uh, We'll tell you when to stay off the road. Um, But at the end of the day, you're the driver and it's your decision. Um, But we can't work with you if we don't know you. So take advantage. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Appreciate your time. It's wonderful. Anytime. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. So that's my discussion with my former classmate and dear, dear friend, Karen Eisen. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have a professor you'd like me to speak with or a topic you'd like me to cover, tweet me at Lord of Fact and we'll take care of that. Have a good day and a great semester.